0: worried writer helping you to overcome fear self-doubt and procrastination to get the work done i'm your host sarah painter and i'm a novelist and self-confessed worried writer for show notes resources and much more please head to worriedwriter.com and now on with the show Welcome to episode 37 of The Worried Writer. I'm recording this on Tuesday the 27th of February 2018 and it is a chilly, snowy day here in Fife. It's been really bright but snowing on and off all day long and now it's getting on for about 4 o'clock and it is very heavy out there. I do hope I don't get snowed in. My guest today is Caroline Mitchell. She's an ex-police detective turned USA Today best-selling thriller author. Her latest book, Silent Victim, just became a global bestseller when it hit number one on Amazon in the UK, USA and Australia. I loved speaking to Caroline. She brings her real-life experience as a police officer to her writing and she also has an incredible work ethic, something I really admire. We talk about her writing process, path to publication, and the secrets behind her amazing productivity. In my writing news, Beneath the Water came out on the 8th of February and has had some lovely reviews, including some spots on various blogs. I'm so grateful to book bloggers for the amazing work they do and the time and thought they put into their reviews. And I'm really happy and relieved by the positive response. Lake Union assigned me a publicist for Beneath the Water, which makes me feel very fancy. And through that, I've had a few articles and interviews in places like Female First. And I will also be featured in Writer's Forum magazine, which is very exciting. She has also organised a blog tour, which is kicking off on Monday the 5th of March. I'll pop a link in the show notes. If you've bought the book, a massive thank you. I really appreciate your support. And if you could spare a few moments to leave me a review, that would be amazing. Reviews really help other readers to discover my work, and they are also an important sign of success within the industry, looked at by publishers and promotional services such as BookBub. Basically, reviews will help me to sell more copies of Beneath the Water, which will, in turn, make it more likely that I will get another publishing deal. While I'm asking for help, I also want to let you know that I've bitten the bullet and I am setting up a Patreon account for this podcast. In the three years I've been doing the monthly show, my listening figures have grown, which is fabulous, but that does increase the cost of the hosting service. Plus, each show takes around five hours to research, record and edit. There are lots of things I would like to do with the website and the show to provide more content and value to you all but it's hard to justify the time when it actively costs me money at the moment rather than making any. I'll put a link in the show notes, but essentially you can support the show for as little as a dollar per month. This feels very weird and uncomfortable, um, but I'm giving you the option because when I asked um, how you guys would like me to fund the podcast, Patreon was the overwhelming choice over getting sponsorship for the show. And, I must admit, I would prefer not to add adverts. Also, a very kind listener, thank you Andy, asked to send me a one-off payment as a tip. So I've set up a PayPal button too, so if you would prefer to support me via a one-off payment of whatever amount, there is that option too. And of course, you can buy my books. In other news, I did my first event through the Scottish Book Trust Live Literature Scheme a workshop in a high school in Aberdeen. I was pretty nervous, as I'm sure you can all easily imagine, but the class were absolutely lovely, really responsive and welcoming, and I actually really enjoyed it. I got some fabulous feedback while chatting with the students after, which was a complete highlight. Hello, and thanks again if any of you are listening today. I also want to say a quick thank you to Caroline Green, who helped me out when I was planning the workshop. I've also had some great listener feedback from the release of the Stop Worrying, Start Writing audiobook, and some nice reviews. I'm particularly relieved that my narration has gone down okay, as I'm not a professional. Thank you so much to everybody who has bought the book, spread the news, or left a review. It really helps. So, on to this month's listener question. Amy asked... I know you shouldn't use infodump or too much background on your characters, but how do you know what is too much? Thanks for the great question, Amy. Well, first off, infodump and backstory or background detail are slightly different. Infodump is when you chuck a load of information or detail that you want your reader to know in one big, indigestible lump, rather than weaving it through your narrative in small doses. It's also often goes hand-in-hand with maybe telling too much rather than showing. But the background detail on your characters that you referred to, I'm going to assume that you mean the stuff that happened to them before the main story of your book, and that's backstory. Now you do need some, because we all have a past, and your characters aren't rounded or real without it. But you should know a great deal more than you put into your book. The key with backstory is really to be able to recognise it. And the way to do that is to work out what is your actual central story that you are telling. Now, that could be told in a linear fashion or it could jump around chronologically. But the stuff that happens outside of that main story, usually chronologically earlier in time, such as your character's childhood, is the backstory. It's the background It's enhancing the understanding of your characters, but it is not the story, so it needs to be used very sparingly indeed. I hope that helps a wee bit. It's quite a big question and quite difficult to talk about in general terms. As ever with writing craft, these are just guidelines. There are no rules. And I'm afraid a lot of it just comes down to experience and practice. Another thing that you can do uh, while learning this stuff is to pay attention to how backstory and information dump for that matter is used or handled in other books. So if you get, if you maybe notice it in a perhaps a negative way when you're reading, pause and analyse why that didn't work for you as the reader. And equally, if you get to the end of a great book and you think, oh, actually, I learned loads about that character and I didn't feel heavily done at all, maybe go back through and pick out those passages. Pick out how the author did it. Okay, if you've got a question that you'd like answered on the show, email me, Sarah at WorriedWriter.com or head to the Facebook page, leave a comment on the show notes at WorriedWriter.com or find me on Twitter at Sarah R. Painter. I would also welcome suggestions for topics you would like covered or guests you would like to hear from. As always, Thank you for listening, sharing, subscribing and rating the show. Your support means everything. It lets me know that you value the podcast and want it to continue. So, a quick shout out to some lovely folk on Twitter. Natalie Yates, who's at East York Nat. Natalie put a lovely review of the show on the Words and Picks website, which is the site for the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators in the UK. Thank you, Natalie. Pete Blythe, who's at Pete Blythe Writer, posted a picture of his dog Max lying under his chair listening to the podcast. So hello, Max, and thanks for listening. Kirsty Greenwood, who's at Kirsty Books, wrote Whenever I'm keyed up about writing, I go and listen to Sarah Painter's podcast. She has the most beautiful, soothing voice, and the author interviews are excellent too. Well, I'm kind of blushing to be reading that one out, but thank you so much, Kirsty. There's Ray Cowie, who's at Ray underscore Cowie, JP Touquet who's at JP Chiquette, and Mickey, who's at Michael underscore W underscore Day. Thank you so much, and thank you to all of you for listening. A quick apology for the sound quality in the following interview, there is a buzzing on my voice that I couldn't edit out. I seem to be having a run of technical gremlins at the moment, so sorry about that, but I will hopefully have it all sorted for the next episode. Now, on to the interview section of the show. Caroline Mitchell is an ex-police detective turned USA Today best-selling thriller author. Her books include The Silent Twin, Murder Game, Witness, and Sleep Tight. She recently signed a new two-book deal with Thomas and Mercer for her D.I. Amy Winters series, Truth and Lies. Welcome to the show, Caroline, and thank you so much for joining me. Oh, Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, well, thank you. And I, we have had a few problems with the internet this morning, so fingers crossed that the audio goes smoothly. But I was hoping that you could kick things off a wee bit um, by just telling us about your new release, Silent Victim.
1: Yes, yes, I'm very excited about the release of Silent Victim. And it's uh, not very far away now either. It, um <laughs> The story all started off with a question, really. My husband and I were talking about um, moving home one day, and I started to think of it, as you do as a writer, go into the, the dark depths of your mind with these things. And I thought, what if you'd done something really bad and, and buried a body in the back of your home and had to sell up? How would you cope with that, knowing that you had to go back and, and dig up the body and hide it again because you'd have people coming around to view your home? And all these things started opening up, and I just thought what if you went back to that body that you buried and it was gone? Then what would you do? So yeah, I got very excited and started scribbling like mad and, and the story kind of took off from there. But then I also wanted to write a backstory to why the character Rebecca was driven to do what she did in the story. And, uh, that's very interesting as well. It, it explores the whole student-teacher relationship from both angles. It comes from different perspectives and uh, also from the perspective of, of her husband as well, who later discovers the truth. And you start to read it. And as reviewers have said already, it gets to the point you really don't know who to believe. So I, I, I really enjoyed writing that book. I had great fun with it. It
0: does sound fantastic. And that sounds very much a sort of psychological thriller. But I believe you've also written a uh, Serial Killer sort of thriller and more crime thrillers as well is that right
1: yes i do although they all kind of contain a very strong psychological element it's just that um, given my experience in the police I I also enjoy writing a good crime thriller with various uh, detectives involved and I obviously take experience from uh, the people I used to work with and, and the characters I used to encounter on a daily basis so that's another side of it I enjoy I quite enjoy writing both in tandem so sometimes I release a psychological thriller while I'm working on a series so it's all great fun
0: and was it your work within the police which really led you to writing um, crime thrillers? Or did you kind of start off with something different for a change? You know, because I can imagine that after a day of working as a police officer, part of you might have wanted to come home and, you know, write about something else.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It can get a bit like a busman's holiday, especially when you have to have a certain amount of creative license as well. I think that's what worries me more is that I know a lot of my colleagues um, read my books and I always kind of cringe a little bit and say, yeah, I, I have to apologize that this sergeant has a lot more freedom in this book than normally because uh, she's not bogged down with paperwork all day sitting in her office. So that's always on my mind. But no, I enjoy uh, writing a good crime thriller because, I have that inside view, I suppose, of what it's like to work in an office and the stress that people are under and just the, the colleagues you know, themselves before you even get under the skin of the criminals that they're dealing with. And uh, it kind of fascinates me. But then I suppose that all comes back to that whole psychological aspect of it rather than the crime itself. But, um, yeah, I, I do enjoy it all. And I do a lot of research as well as drawing on my own experience. I do enjoy learning about um, psychopaths and different personality traits. And that's all things that uh, go into my book as well. So, yeah, I think as well with the psychological thrillers, it's a way of breaking them up. So if I've worked on a series, it's nice to then do a psychological thriller because they're slightly easier to write and that you're not plotting a crime and forensics and the clues and everything. So it's nice to break it up. So it's um, all worked out very well. I'm very fortunate to have a publisher that allows me to do both.
0: Mm, absolutely and I mean it's all your strengths isn't it that's it just sounds like the perfect combination of your experience and your interests
1: yeah it's quite therapeutic to get it all out as well because after nine years you can imagine I've had some experiences like make your hair curl really. Some of the things I've seen and mm-hmm. done, and obviously I can't talk about you know real life experiences, but I can draw upon them and I can draw upon the emotions and how you feel when you deal with them and and put it all down on paper. So. Sometimes I'll read back on a book I've written and I just think, gosh, I can't believe I've written that. Where did that come from? And it's just all when you're in that free flow state that all comes out and uh, translates to paper. So I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate. I get to do what I do, really.
0: And um, when I was researching for this interview, I saw that your first thriller with uh, Bookature came out in 2015. And I kept on sort of rereading that date <laughs> because you have achieved so much in such a short space of time. And um, I believe you self-published a non fiction book before that. And I was wondering if that was the book which gave you the writing bug or whether it was something you'd always wanted to do. Yeah, it certainly gave me the
1: confidence to do it. I mean, I've always enjoyed um, writing. English was my favourite subject when I was young. Um, I've always enjoyed writing as a child. But I never would have had the confidence to actually write a book myself until my husband pushed me to do it. And that was because we had a very strange personal experience. I mean, the book is called Paranormal Intruder. So it happened when I was in the police and we had all these sorts of strange goings on in our home that we couldn't explain. And it was quite traumatic. It went on for several years. And my husband just said, look, just write a book. People keep asking me what's happened and it's too long and drawn out to explain. Why don't we write a book about it and just get the story out there? So I did, and, and it did, it was good, and it did help to write it down and, and be able to say to people, well, if you want to read it, there it is, and, and that's our story. But I didn't expect it to take off quite as well as it did. It, it took off almost immediately and sold really well. So after I finished, I felt oh, you know, I'd really like to write something I'd enjoy a bit more, more for me. So I'll write a fiction novel. And it kind of made sense to combine my experience in The Police along with The Supernatural. So that's when the Jennifer Knight series came out. So that is a crime series, but there was also a little hint of The Supernatural in there as well. So I have to be grateful, I suppose, for the horrible paranormal experiences we had, because then it led me to my career as a writer. So I feel like cloud is a silver lining, I suppose. (laughs)
0: Well, that's really fascinating. And I guess also sometimes you have to, um, you get almost get forced is the wrong word, but encouraged in whatever, for whatever reason or in whatever way to get started writing. And then like you did, you know, you find you actually do really enjoy it or that you can do it. And I think that's fantastic. And, and what led you to, um, independently publish that first one? Because I think that's quite brave as well.
1: Yeah, I think it was a little bit easier back then. I mean, I published it on uh, the 1st of December 2013 and it was a little bit easier. I think in the last couple of years, things have become very tough for self-published authors. So I think it was easier back then and I've just enjoyed the whole process and uh, I I wanted to get... A view of it from the inside as well. I wanted to see what it was like to design a cover and to format the book and put it all up there and learn about the business side of it as well. My husband's always been self-employed, so he's got a real business background. He's got a real business brain in his head, so which is great. And, and we learned about all of that aspect of it together, and I just found it all fascinating. So I thought it was a great start because after that, when I got published, I was so grateful to have an editor I didn't have to pay for, and so grateful. Have a, you know, someone to copy read my book. And I, and I have kind of been like that ever since, really grateful for everything that I've been given because it makes you appreciate it a little bit more when you have to fight for it to begin with and do it all yourself.
0: Mm, oh, I completely agree with you. And I think just having that extra bit of experience of the whole process, just, yeah, it's such a good thing. Um, and then did you start looking for an agent after that with your, with your first novel? or how did, how did your sort of path to publication happen?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was very fortunate that at the time when I applied to Bookature, um, there were unsolicited submissions, which meant that I could submit directly without having to have an agent. I did try. I did try to get an agent at the time, but I was just an unknown. And, you know, and this is what I always say to people, that a no from an agent isn't always a no forever. It's just a no, not right now. So, you know, if I, I was lucky enough then I got... Um, I was, three-book deal at Bookature and, and did really well, which is brilliant. And then it was after that, you know, a few books in that I then thought, you know, just before I signed with Thomas and Mercer that I thought, do you know, I've sold quite a lot of books. Maybe they'll have me now. <laughs> and they didn't. I've got my favorite agent that I really, really wanted from the start. She was absolutely brilliant and uh, loved uh, what I submit to her. And uh, again, yeah, she signed me up on it and it's been brilliant ever since. So I, I, as I say, I've been very fortunate, but that's what I, you know, don't give up and just keep trying and, you know, prove yourself. Maybe sometimes force is the best thing and then get an agent if it's possible.
0: Well, um, you say being fortunate and I, I, you know, I, I know what you're saying and, and I like that because I'm, I'm very much of the optimism and gratitude kind of a person myself. Mm-hmm. Um, But also it's your incredible hard work and that amazing work ethic that you have, which I truly admire. And your next release is is it your ninth, or your latest release, sorry, is it your ninth published book? Yes, yes, I've just finished
1: writing my tenth and I'm, I'm editing that now and I'm writing my eleventh at the same time. So.
0: Right, so Caroline, that's it now. You have to tell me, what is the secret? What is your writing process like? Do you, do you write every day?
1: Yes, uh, he has a very strong work ethic. I think it's because when I was in the police, any officer or anyone in the emergency services will tell you, you work very, very long hours. You don't really have breaks very often. And, uh, you know, I used to be on call as well. So sometimes when I was um, a a soto, as we call it, I used to deal with rape incidents at one point in my career. So I would go home after a 12-hour shift and then I'd be on call. So the call could come at two or three in the morning. and Then I'd get up, leave my bed and go and deal with the victim and deal with that for maybe five, six, seven, eight hours. And, you know, and and it was that strong work work ethic that kind of transferred into my writing. So when I was still in the police, I I wrote um, my Jennifer Knight series. So I would get up at half five in the morning and I'd write on the train commute to work, which was an hour. And then if I... Could get a lunch break which was rare but if I did I would just eat a sandwich while I was writing and then on the way home I'd write on the train again and I'd get home about six o'clock in the evening and then I just do as much work as I could because I was really really determined I really wanted to leave my job I was totally committed to it and I think you really have to be I mean as you say I'm, I'm a great believer in the law of attraction I always have been so I listen to these motivational tapes I watch the programs I still do and I find that really keeps me driven and and, you know keeps me going so those long hours then when I could see a light at the end of the tunnel and I thought actually I could make a living out of this I just continued on with that and then when I left I seemed to have kept that work ethic up but this time it's easier because I really love what I do whereas when I was in the police I always said to people it's a lot harder when you're working full-time and writing that's really really tough and I did that for a couple of years but when you leave, it's much much easier, <laughs> and you really enjoy it a lot more as well, because it's like oh i've I've actually done it now i'm I'm you know I'm doing what I love, but yeah, I pretty much carry my laptop around with me most of the time i when I go anywhere, I bring it with me. I don't tend to take days off, and uh I enjoy it, so yeah, the books just keep coming. <laughs>
0: That's brilliant. And I mean, obviously, you're saying there that you sort of carried on your carried through your work ethic from your long days at the police. But did you um, did you find that there was a readjustment period when you left your full time job to writing full time? Because sometimes that can be a wee bit tricky, even though it's great.
1: (laughs) Social media is the demon. uh, (laughs) (laughs) funny when I left it's like oh my god I've got all this free time this is great and actually I always say to people give it a few weeks because the first couple of weeks you'll end up doing nothing you're just looking on Facebook and Twitter and all these lovely social media things because you're so you know enchanted by this freedom but then there comes a point you think actually I I am meant to be writing for a living so I need to get really strict and that's with me where it comes into goal setting uh, word count everything is set I have a diary and I write every day what I've done and if I don't keep up one day I have to make up for it the next day and Scrivener is very good as well at word count but yeah if I don't write it all down and keep a tally and this is why it's also good to work with a publisher because they give you deadlines I think self-publishing you'd probably it'd take a lot longer I would anyway but uh, yeah goals deadlines and plotting is uh, the answer really and and having an app on my computer helps to stop me going on Facebook during the day
0: <laughs> <laughs> which which app do you go for is it freedom yeah. or? Freedom is
1: brilliant. Freedom is brilliant. Yeah. yeah.
0: so good. <laughs> go on, and it goes, no, you're free. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, I should be writing, so I'll go back to that. But uh, it, it's. <laughs> Yeah, it can creep in though, you know, and you feel yourself going back on it again. So since the new year, I've been really strict at myself and I've been off it a lot more. But yeah, certainly be careful of social media. I mean, it's a great help to get to know bloggers and all these lovely readers and things. But at the same time, you have to set yourself limits and targets. Otherwise, you know, you don't get the job done.
0: And when you are writing, say, first draft material, um, what sort of word count do you set yourself a day or does it vary?
1: Yeah, it, it all depends on my target and when I'm due to finish it. But usually, you know, I like say I'm, I'm producing a book every six months. For the last couple of years, I've been writing three books a year, which is, is you know, hard going. And I said this year I'm going to cut back to two. But yet yeah, I still find myself plotting another one when I have a quiet moment, going, oh, this would be quite good, though. So yeah, it is. I, I seem to be quite addicted to it, really. Um, I can't even remember your original question now.
0: (laughs) I was just asking if there was a particular word count that you aimed for when you were first drafting.
1: What I do is I dictate the first draft. So I get it out really quickly. Yeah, I can get a first draft out in, in five weeks really, really quickly. But it is rubbish, though. Then I have to go back and edit it all and fix it. But I find the dialogue is much better when I dictate because, I mean, basically it is all dialogue. And then I... And I'll put in the setting and the scenery and the descriptions, and it's like a painting—it's layer upon layer. But yeah, first first draft I can do quite quickly. But at least I don't know two thousand words a day. But if I'm dictating, I could do ten or fifteen thousand words in a weekend because I'm just telling the story. But then you in and change it and show it rather than tell it if that makes sense
0: absolutely and when did you introduce dictation into your process because it's it's something I'm thinking about doing but I'm a wee bit nervous about whether how it'll work for fiction I guess
1: yeah no it works brilliantly for me just as a first draft tool you know and then i uh, work on it in Scrivener after that but um I, I did it a couple of years ago it's, it's Joanne Penn that um inspired me to do it she's got a brilliant podcast and I listen to her and I get great tips and ideas and it's dragon I use and um I just thought I'd give it a try I mean with my Irish accent well you know you, you're probably the same with your accent you think oh god he's going to understand a word I say but it does get it does get easier. It doesn't understand any swear words, so I have to type it. I was them just out. gonna
0: ask about that. I've heard that it doesn't like swear words, so I'd be totally banjaxed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I have to type those in. So uh, but it's all great fun and I'd certainly recommend trying it. I think they do have a fourteen day money back thing that if it doesn't work mm-hmm. out you can, you know, um, send it back for a refund, which is quite good. But I, I certainly don't regret it. It's been brilliant for me and it works. It takes the pressure off when you just want to get that first draft out quickly.
0: No, that's a great tip. And um, you've mentioned plotting a couple of times. So I'm assuming that you actually outline or, or plot your books first. Is that right?
1: Yes, I definitely do. I actually use a spreadsheet to do it and and it, it goes across. And so I do like a box for each chapter with just a couple of lines. and. <laughs> I'll do from start to finish. And obviously, when I send it to the publisher as well to look at, I do a big foot synopsis and a big outline of it because they're very good. Usually, they accept my books on three chapters and an outline. I don't have to have the whole book written, which is brilliant. But, you know, your characters do take over to a certain extent. And the story always ends up differently than when it started. But it's just nice knowing that I'm not painting myself into a corner. Sometimes I'll do the last chapter very early on just to know I can ha- I can use that as an ending if needs be but well, there's always lots of twists and turns and usually the ending is completely different but it's just that little bit of peace okay. of mind you know to know I'm not setting myself up to, I did it once uh didn't plot a book and I had to delete 30,000 words because it just made no sense at the end so <laughs> I plot after that
0: <laughs> No that's sadly familiar to me but um, I still haven't mastered plotting unfortunately mm-hmm. so
1: Yeah tiniest little bit of guidance that's all you need with each one really.
0: So the title of this podcast is The Worried Writer so I'm afraid the time has come and I'd like to delve into your struggles with writing if I may. Do you ever suffer from creative block? No I'm very fortunate that
1: I don't. Um, If I get stuck with anything I go for a good long walk. And uh, it's so funny, people around where I live must think I'm completely bonkers because I go for walks and I can be heard mumbling to myself as I work out these plots and things that refuse to budge. And by the time I've come back from that big, long, hour-long walk, I've worked it all out. My husband sees me and I just come in the door, can't talk. I run to get my pen and paper and I have to write it all down before it all disappears. So that works really, really well. And, and I never fret over it because if I get stuck in things, it happens and it will pass. And I always tell myself, no, it's fine. Do something else for a while, you know, and usually in the shower or when you're going for a walk or doing something one day and that it it comes. And even with new book ideas, it's amazing how you can just write down one question or one sentence and gradually it'll unfold and open from there. So thankfully, I've been blessed with a very vivid imagination. It's not let me down yet.
0: Well, that's nice. And um, is there a particular part of the process that you do find difficult or maybe most difficult? And is there any a time when maybe fear or self doubt will sort of oh, yeah,
1: strike? Yeah, I think for a lot of authors, it's when you get your edits back. I mean, on one hand, I'm always really excited um, to edit because I love working with a good editor, and I'm very blessed to have worked with some brilliant ones, and I, I learned so much from them. And I, I, as I said earlier, I always think I'm so privileged to have someone of such calibre going through my work line for line. You know, picking up on things, and. You really do learn and you get better. But there is always that thing when they come. And I literally struggle just to open that for about a day. I, I can hardly look at it. Oh, God, why am I doing? I'm a so cool. I can't write. Look at all this. <laughs> You know, you think, well, I, I'm kidding everyone, you know, I'm, I'm rubbish. But after the day or so, and then you, you go through your edit and you find these lovely, well, I do, and you'll find these lovely little encouraging things saying, oh, I love this and this is really good. And you calm down. You think, actually, yeah, I can, I can write. No, this is fine. So I think, you know, you wouldn't be human if you didn't suffer from that every now and again. Um, but edits are there to help and, and they do make it a lot better book. And everybody, I think, in my opinion, should have a good edit. You know, you shouldn't just let it go. Um, yeah don't take it to
0: heart (laughs) no no I think a lot of it for me anyway it does come down to fear in that I kind of I think oh I don't want to do it because it's done and I can't be bothered and it's going to be so much work but really I'm just frightened that I can't do it that I can't come up with good solutions to the excellent points that have been raised or and when I sort of recognize that then I'm usually like okay well I've done it before so I'll give it a go (laughs)
1: really pernickety and it's like oh
0: now I've got to research that why are
1: you asking me that yeah.
0: <laughs> or if I change that then I've got to change this this and this that's yeah. going to be a pain
1: <laughs> but once you've done it you feel better and you feel a sense of accomplishment and actually yeah that you you were right
0: <laughs> yeah and I quite like ticking things off as well so I quite like making a wee list of all the things yeah. and then I can yeah. like tick that's quite yeah. satisfying
1: yeah. oh yeah you have to physically print it out and get a pen just put a line through it. and yeah definitely it works really well
0: and um are there any parts of being a successful author or just the author life and business that you find, um, you know, tricky at all, whether it's, you know, setting aside your business hours or keeping your creative side separate to your marketing side, or whether it's just the kind of marketing stuff in general, that kind of things like this, where you have to be out there in the world? <laughs>
1: I enjoy, I enjoy this. I enjoy talking to people and I love talking to people on social media. And I think that's something, as I said earlier, I just have to rein myself in with a bit because you can't get hours of your time. I have this thing, another app called Rescue Time on my MacBook. And it, it it makes a note every week of exactly how many hours I spend on social media on certain sites. And that has really reined me in because it's frightening, you know, how, how, you can get lost there. So that's something I have to watch. But I, I just consider myself very, very fortunate. I think of my colleagues in the police and, you know, uh, it's hard. Jobs like that are so tough. It can be rewarding, but they're hard as well. And I never used my family I mean I've got four kids and I never saw them and, and now I get to be here all the time so if I do need to do something one day I can make up for the next and I just think I'm the luckiest person in the world so um, yeah I can't complain really
0: <laughs> Oh that's brilliant I love that perspective on it um, and so people listening there might be folk who would like to follow in your footsteps or who are maybe struggling with their first book or perhaps their first set of edits I just wondered if you had any book or resources that you found helpful um sort of over your writing journey yeah
1: yeah I did I have a blog um which is caroline writes caroline that's it and I have written some blog pieces there about writing and how I left my job and how I did it and how I got publishing contracts so yeah if, if readers want to have a look there they will find them um but what I, I mean I always tell people the same things really it's just that constantly work on your craft never stop learning because I certainly don't I'm still learning now and um, constantly work on that there's a wealth of information on the internet um uh, and don't give up and look into the law of attraction and, and watch the video The Secret and listen to some brilliant mo- motivational tracks on Spotify that I listen to just while I'm brushing my teeth in the morning, you know, that really set you up for the day. And it is a case of believe in yourself and, and don't give up. And, you, you know, it's not an easy profession and it is very tough. But if you really, really want it and you believe you can do it, then keep going. That's my advice.
0: That's fantastic advice. Thank you so much. And just to finish up, what are you working on at the moment or what's next?
1: Yes, I'm really excited. I'm just waiting for the cover to come through for Truth and Lies, which is the first of my DI Emmy Winter Series. And the uh, blurb for that isn't up yet. So I can't wait to share it with everyone because I'm really excited about the idea I came up with <laughs> for this detective. But it's, it's quite unusual. So I can't wait to share that. Um, so while I'm editing that and waiting for the cover of that, I'm also working on the second in the series. So I'm writing that as well. So very busy at the moment, but I wouldn't have it any other way.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. And where can people find out more about you and your books?
1: yeah well i'm on amazon as caroline mitchell uh, the author but if anyone wants to look up my blog it's www.caroline-writes.com and uh, like i say i've got some interesting pieces there about writing which are quite encouraging i hope and they can find me there and all my books are there as well
0: and i imagine they might be able to find you on twitter occasionally maybe
1: yes yes (laughs)
0: And Facebook
1: (laughs) and Pinterest and Instagram and every other social media outlet imaginable.
0: Fantastic. Well, I shall put all the links in the show notes, but thank you so much for your time. It was lovely to speak to you.
1: Lovely chatting to you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening today. For show notes and links, head to worriedwriter.com. If you'd like to connect, find me on Twitter Sarah R. Painter or use the hashtag Worried Writer. See you next time.